This episode of the YVR Screen Scene Podcast is brought to you by Neverland Tea Salon. Would you like to have your adventure now? Or would you like to have your tea first? Plan your tea adventure today at NeverlandTeaSalon.com. This episode was sponsored in part by listeners like you. Join our Patreon community and receive early access to episodes, bonus content, stickers, buttons, and more. Visit www.patreon.com slash podcast. Welcome to the YVR Screen Scene Podcast, where we pull back the curtain and expose the beating heart to the Vancouver film and television industry, namely the actors and filmmakers and other talented artists who do the work. Capital T, capital W. I'm Sabrina Firminger, and today... I welcome a trio of fiercely talented artists to the YVR Screen Scene podcast. Actor Raylene Harewood, director Shannon Coley, and producer John Ornoy to discuss All Joking Aside. All Joking Aside stars Raylene as Charlene, a stand-up comedian who was cruelly heckled during her first time at the mic by a man named Bob, played by friend of the podcast Brian Markinson. Bob used to be a successful comic, but is now a broken, alcoholic mess who lost his family and his career, and he's offered a chance at redemption when Charlene begs him to be her mentor. If you think the character of Bob sounds a lot like Vancouver comedian Richard Glenn Lett, you're not far from the truth. Richard was something of an inspiration for Bob, and he appears in All Joking Aside as Dennis, a comedy club bartender and friend to Bob. All Joking Aside was nominated for a whack, a whack of Leo Awards, and it marks the feature film directorial debut of Shannon Coley, who already has a shelf full of awards for directing episodic television and short films. And the entire project, which is airing on Super Channel this month, August 2020, was conjured to life by John Ornoy of Animal Mother Films. Raylene Harewood, Shannon Coley. John Ornoy, welcome to the YVR Screen Scene Podcast. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Okay, so let's get into it. Let's start with you, John. I'm pointing. I don't know why I'm pointing accusatorily. For, I mean, first of all, I, I love this film. I... I'm congratulations to all of you. Like it, I am so excited for more people to be able to see it so that I can talk to them all about it. But this has been on my radar for a long time since Brian was talking to me before he was going into filming. He's like, you got to know about this film. You got to know about this team. Uh, this, I am so excited to, to dig my teeth into this. So John, how did you find the story and what was it about the story that made you decide you wanted to dedicate like, years of your life and time and energy to bring it to the screen yeah so it's about four years in and i'm 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 still not quite done um uh the writer is a guy named james pickering who's uh british and uh found the script on a website called inktip which is sort of a screenplay marketplace uh so as a producer i can go on there and say these are the kinds of scripts that i'm looking for these are the budgets this sort of in and I got about 300 submissions I think in my first round that uh, eventually uh, whittled down and uh, yeah there's you know 
when you read a lot of scripts, you can often tell within like the first five or ten pages that it's not going anywhere. So when you do read something that's written well, um, it just jumps off the page and James uh, writes very efficiently and uh, evocatively. Yeah. And uh, I think what attracted me was um, on a practical scale um, that it, uh, it felt like something that was achievable with uh, a modest budget, but that if you had more resources, you could scale it up and, and make it something bigger. Um, but from a narrative point, I think the what grabbed me was the point um, fairly early in the script where, uh, where Charlene kind of pivots. And instead of being intimidated by this guy who, uh, who heckled her and, and bullied her, um, just kind of leans into it and says, no, um, you, I want you to teach me. And that was, you know, uh, that was a moment that grabbed me because that was an unexpected moment for me in, and in that- script. And- Unexpected moment for me, too. And we're going to talk about that. I actually want to hear Raylene's uh, POV on that. But I so you said that James Pickering, though, is in the UK. Is that what you is that what you said? Yeah, we uh, spent a few years working together on the script um, just uh, over email and Skype. And so we had not actually met each other in person until we started filming. And uh, he and his partner came out to visit us. I'm just so I'm curious, though, because there's so much about the character of Bob that reminds me of Vancouver comedian Richard Lett, who is, you know, Richard's in your in your film. Um, did James write this based on Richard? Like, or was it just like a... So Richard, like, it's, he's pretty much like... Um, I don't want to say an archetype that he was writing about that just seemed to fit Richard almost exactly. Yeah, that was just a coincidence. I mean, I, I knew Richard's work before uh, I read the script, and so he was actually like, the first person that did pop into my mind when when I started reading it. Oh, my and, uh, Richard does like to joke that because he actually did come in to read for Bob as well, mm-hmm. and then we come back to read for for Dennis instead. And he likes to joke that you know he walked into the room, and he's like, "Why did you guys give away my part to somebody else?" <laughs> <laughs> uh, so um, I know that was, I think that just uh, speaks something to the uh, the core of who what, what draws a lot of people to become comics. Yeah. Wow, that is incredible to me. And we will talk. I do want to talk a bit more about Richard later. Shannon, this is your I mean, this is your feature film directorial debut. You know, I can imagine, you know, there's there's been a lot of talk for a lot of maybe you don't know this, but a lot of people have been being like, what is Shannon going to direct for her feature film directorial debut? Like, what kind of story is it going to be? You know, I can imagine that you must have felt that kind of pressure. What or maybe you didn't. I don't know. You can tell me. But what was it about all joking aside that made you be like, oh, yeah, this is the film I want that will forever be my feature film directorial debut? Um, one thing that really spoke to me when I read the script was Char- Charlie or Charlene's, um, you know, what she was experiencing. She was a young woman trying to make it in sort of a man's world. And, you know, being told that she wasn't tough enough, she wasn't funny enough, she wasn't this enough. And, you know, I came up in the camera world mm. and I got a lot of that on a regular basis. And I kept, you know, <laughs> but kind of kicking down doors and saying, I'm here to stay, get used to it. Um, I'm going to do the best I can to become, you know, the best camera operator, director, photography, director I can be, but I'm here to stay. So Mm -hmm. nothing anyone says is going to, you know, intimidate me, push me out or make me change my mind. So I really identified with um, Charlene 
for her tenacity and her, you know, ability to brush herself off and get back up and try again. And so I was so grateful that, you know, John approached me about directing uh, the feature and yeah, it just worked out really well. Heck yeah, it did. Now, uh, Raylene. Hi. Hi. (laughs) Um, You just shine in this role. Uh, And I'm just curious about like, like, I mean, it's really the same question, but just, you know, in a slightly different way. Like, what drew you to Charlie? Like, why did you want to play her? And what connections did you personally feel to this role? Right. Um, I mean, I love that, you know, she's really her own person. And I like that there's no, like, romantic line to this story. I like that it's really about her and up and coming and, and you know, a pivotal time in her life. Um, I love that it's about comedy because I myself am a huge fan of stand-up comedy. Um, I've learned through this movie that I don't think I want to do that myself because <laughs> it's actually terrifying. Um, but I love comedy. Um, and in terms of a personal relationship with her, um, I've had, you know, um, difficulties, you know, with family drama and like times where I haven't felt as close with my parents and I have also lost my dad. So on a really, um, you know, deep level from what she must have gone through in her upbringing, I feel like I can relate to those instances. Um, so I actually feel like I connect with her quite a bit. And so it was really lucky that this all came together in this city with these people and I, I got the part. Yeah, this definitely is a film where you can see that the stars aligned, you know, behind the scenes in order to bring this to the screen. Um, There's also something that felt now, granted, I don't know a lot about stand up. I love to see to go and enjoy. Well, back in the before times, before the (laughs) core, I love going to see stand up. Uh, And I also I mean, I watched that never be done the Richard Glenlet story. So I saw a world into you know, mm-hmm. the, the, the sexism and the racism and the homophobia and just like the, the ways that comedi- comics destroy each other. Um, what did you do, like as a team, to ensure that the, the story you told on screen reflected reality? Well, I think we, we definitely consulted with people like Mark Breslin, who is the uh, the owner of Yuck Yucks, is an associate producer. So he was one of the first people oh, that, okay. that kind of read the script for us and uh, gave us a, a thumbs up on its authenticity. And um, I did show it around to some other uh, local comics as well to try and get get that kind of sense. Because, yeah, like, I mean, I've, I James and I have only ever sat in the audience. We've never been up on stage. We've never, you know, hung out in the green room with the other comics. Um, and then having Richard on set was also, uh, you know, uh, an invaluable resource because he's been doing it forever. He's he's been in all these rooms and um, and so yeah. So how, kind of having him kind of being there to give us little hints of flavor and stuff was uh, was a great resource as well. Okay, what about you, Shannon? Was there anything that you did to ensure that that what we see on screen looks like the real world of of stand up comedy? Yeah, I mean, doing research, but, you know, really talking to um, Richard, Brian, and Raylene. And what I found, it's very difficult to write comedy as it is. And it's even more difficult to write comedy for somebody else. And so a lot of times we're finding that the comedy that was written for characters wasn't quite resonating. 
So what worked really well was getting Ryan and Raylene, you know, together and discussing and brainstorming how they could make it their own um, so that they could they could really bring, you know, part of who they were to the stage, to that, that stand-up, and it made it so much more authentic um, than them on stage telling somebody else's, you know, what somebody else had written. Wow. So, Raylene, like, tell me about those <laughs> jokes brainstorming sessions and, and like, what en- like, what we ended up seeing on screen, you know, that came from them. Right. Um, it's, it was such a while ago, so I'm trying to remember. I... I think, I don't know. I think there were certain um, sets within the movie where part of it was what was originally written and then part of it was something that I had written. Um, I had done a five minute set to prep for this movie at Yuck Yucks actually. Um, yeah, it was really, really scary. Okay, so um, no, I want I want details. What did you talk about? What did you feel that night? What did you learn from that experience? Oh my gosh! It was one of our special features. What's that? We have to put. Well, she she has a she has a recording of her performance, so we have to add that to the special features. Oh heck no! I sent that to you in confidence, John. <laughs> well, now it's public knowledge. No, no, <laughs> no. <wanna> see it. <laughs> um, it was really scary. I feel like I was writing the set a couple days before, and I had invited my partner at the time and some friends, and. I was so nervous a couple hours before the show. I started texting everyone being like, you don't need to come. I can just do this on my own. That's okay. Don't bother coming. And they were like, nope, we're going to be there. Um, So I was sitting with my friends at the table, just like experiencing this amateur night that was really not amateur. It was really like, I think, semi-pros. Wow. um, Or at least people who had been doing it for quite a while, testing out new material. And I was the only person who had never done it before on this night. And it was a full house. Um, So they were very kind. And they said to the crowd before I went up that this was my very first time. And so everyone was really generous and attentive. So that was really nice. And I think I just talked about Oh, really mundane things like uh, men not putting the toilet seat down and stuff like classic, that. Classic, classic bit. Exactly. Really, really simple stuff. Yeah. What's um, the deal with and then you say something. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Exactly. Um, but yeah, it went super well. And um, there was this little vote at the end where people could like say who their favorite comedian was. And a couple of people went up to me and they were like, you're my vote for tonight. And I was like, wow. <laughs> it was fun. It was super fun. Uh, and the most terrifying moment of my life. Wow. That is, that's commitment. That is commitment to your craft. Um, yeah. Wow. I want to, before we get into talking about the actual uh, experience of filming, Let's talk about the presence who is not here, who is currently on a motorcycle trips somewhere beautiful. Um, the the presence, the man, the myth, the legend. <laughs> He's totally <laughs> blushing right now. Brian Markinson. Um, t- t- each tell me a little bit, like what, why Brian, and like what did he bring to Bob. Everybody's speechless, Brian, just so you know, (laughs) because I know you're listening. (laughs) 
So I was directing an episode of The Magicians, yes. and Brian had been cast as a villain on the show. And, you know, after, you know, working with him for a day, I was like, oh, my gosh, this actor, he has been doing so much. He's been in the industry for so long, and he is still so generous mm. and so enthusiastic. And he was, you know, so receptive to everything that, you know, I, I asked for and um it was just a great collaboration and i started to think you know maybe he would be a possible bob so i approached him and said would he be you know interested in reading the script and he said yeah absolutely and so that kind of came about um that way and then yeah yeah and so yeah yeah, john what do you think I just think I think we just kind of got him at a good point in the schedule where he was uh, in between a couple of uh, series and just happened to be looking for a small indie, I guess, to cleanse his palate. And yeah. Uh, yeah, we were <laughs> very fortunate to be in the right place at the right time because he was uh, kind of a, a solid anchor for the uh, for the entire cast, I think. Yeah. And really, what about working with with Brian? I mean, that he's your I mean, what a scene partner. You know, but you you held your own, you know, just the way that Charlie held her own with with Bob. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, really, he's such a generous actor, like Shannon was saying, um, you know, he's generous in the scene as we're shooting, but also behind the scenes. Um, and I like immediately felt like I could open up to him. Like I was super nervous. This is the biggest part I've ever played. And he was so supportive about it. And um I always felt really safe with him on set, so I got to give him a lot of credit for that. Okay, yeah, Brian, re- you've paid them. I can tell that you paid them <laughs> to talk about you. No, he is. I was the, before the first time I ever interviewed him years ago. I was terrified because I thought be, that he was going to be like all of the characters that he plays, which are pretty mean. Mm-hmm. Plays mean, mean men, and then to meet him in life and be like. Oh, he's kind and he's generous and wow, it was very, there's a bit of a dissonance there trying to talk to him. So, yeah, no, it was, it was great because, you know, he's worked on a lot of big sets with a lot of big directors and stuff, but we never felt that we were getting anything less than like his hundred percent that we were, you know, like it wasn't like a, a charity case kind of thing where he's just going to kind of show up and, and phone it in. Um, he, you know, was there every day uh, with his full effort so it was uh, it was really appreciated awesome okay enough brian markinson talk he's not here let's talk about the experience of actually filming producing being on set you know this i i'm assuming you had uh bajillions of dollars and two months to film and it was all very very smooth and no challenges at all right <laughs> not whatsoever <laughs> Okay, so tell me about some of the challenges. First, the challenges, and then we'll get into the the memorable, more positive moments. <laughs> um, uh, challenges were were numerous. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I think personally, I would say my my easiest day in the shoot was uh, when we shot at uh, Central Park outside on the bench because it was contained. It was just two people sitting on a bench. Mm. Um, but the day started with our grip Graham, who was also our first aid person, who was also driving one of the trucks, um, st- parking the truck, taking one step out of the truck and slipping and f- 
falling and fracturing his hand. Oh, wait, was this like during the great ice storm of yeah, early so we had, 2019 we had, or something? Yeah. Right in the middle of our shoot. And then. Uh, wait, but he's the first aid guy. That's like, that works, yeah. though. He can like help himself. Uh, well, yeah, he's actually a paramedic as well. So he was able to drive himself to the hospital and get uh, kind of priority kidding. treatment. Wow. Uh, not only came back and finished the day, but finished the rest of the show as well as a grip. Um, and then the driver of the other truck uh, slept in. So we were about 45 minutes late getting that one to set. Um, and I think that was my easiest day. The rest of them were all pretty full on. <laughs> that was the easiest day. Shannon, yeah. what about you? Director. First well, feature I mean, film. First of all, this was a passion project and it was put together on a shoestring budget. And it was, you know, mainly self-funded by John. And, you know, we <clears throat> did um, a crowdfunding campaign and we all sort of did what we could to chip in. And, you know, everyone volunteered. It was a really, really busy time in the film industry. So it was, you know, absolutely amazing that, you know, the cast and crew were choosing to work for pretty much free on our show instead yeah. of going and you know earning big dollars somewhere else so it was a real testament to you know i think the team and the cast and the story and every everybody um but you know shoestring budget not a lot of time so you know it would have been great to have a 30-day shoot but instead it was a 15-day shoot um 15 and a half wow. um so it was very That's challenging sad. fitting everything in and then you know, not having the funds to throw money at problems. Um, and then John was absolutely amazing. You know, as the producer, he did the job of 20 people. Um, there was no job too small. He, you know, if we had a problem, you know, with catering, craft service, or a truck wasn't arriving, he was on it. He was taking care of it. So, you know, I, poor, poor, poor guy. I think, you know, at the end, he probably took a couple months to recover from, from everything. Um, but, it's just amazing that we were able to ha- make it happen. And I think that Vancouver is a great city to do that because the, the film industry here, everyone is very generous with their time when they are able to, you know, help out small productions. Yeah. So. Wow. So, Raylene, to be acting in, I mean, because I know you've worked on some, some, you know, big budget, bigger budget productions. Um, you know, to be act, to be acting in your biggest role on, you know, a passion project like this, like how did that inform your work at all? Um, hmm, I don't think it changed anything too much other than I really, really had to be on my game because like Shannon said, it was a 15 day shoot. Um, we had to really just motor through everything and, um, yeah, so I, I just had to make sure that I was like healthy and getting enough sleep and uh, working on my lines well enough in advance to be in a good enough place to do the work. So yeah. it was really tricky, but um, so grateful for it, of course. Okay, uh, I want to hear from each of you about like that most memorable, magical onset moment. You know, like when you think about. And positive. I mean, maybe not somebody falling is your best day. (laughs) (laughs) But there was a moment where you're like, wow, like this is this is all worth it. I I definitely had that moment when we were filming the last scene Hmm. and 
we were at the Kino and on the stage and it was completely empty and it was Brian and Raylene and you know we talked about this shift of Charlie giving giving Bob a hard time for some of the stuff that he'd done but you know in a, in a very um, sort of supportive way and I just, I felt the magic of that scene. And I remember being behind the monitor and, you know, having tears in my eyes and thinking, okay, this is just, it's exactly what I want the ending to be. Hmm. And, you know, what Raylene said about liking it because there wasn't a romantic story in it, I, that really resonated to me because a couple of times when I told people what the story was, they were like, oh yeah. And then they fall in love. They would cut me off and they'd be like, oh, they fall in love. And I'm like, no. No, this is an older man helping out a younger woman, and it's a father-daughter story. It's not a romantic, you know, I feel that Hollywood has just overdone the, you know, older man, younger woman, that people automatically think that's what it's going to be. And so I love this father-daughter story of them coming together and uh, supporting one another. And so I really felt the magic of that scene. Mm -hmm. I think for me it was... um... The scene where we were in the diner and Charlie was finally opening up to Bob, um, sort of about her family life. And I think I, for myself, I felt a lot of the struggle of, of wanting to like keep like like keep myself protected, but also to really reach out and really like being like, this is the time that I can um, be a little bit more vulnerable with Bob than I had been in the past. And I feel like that was the moment where... Um, for me, their relationship really shifted and got that level deeper. And I remember doing that scene and really, really being in it with Brian. And that was really special for me. Hmm. What hmm. about you, John? They both uh, gave really great answers. So. <laughs> I'm actually going to go with Raylene's answer as well, partially because I was actually on set very, very little and saw very little of what we were actually shooting until like we had dailies because uh, I was uh, generally running around. But uh, that was one of the, the rare instances where I did have an opportunity to kind of see uh, what the actors were doing. And uh, I think that scene uh, I played out really well in the film as well. Yeah. Um, now, I had said I was going to come back to this, so let's bring it up. Raylene, one of the, the things that I... At the beginning of the, you know, in the at the beginning of the movie, in the first third, I that I struggled with was, you know, Bob heckles Charlie, and then Charlie wants Bob, you know, to to be her mentor. Like, and you mean, like, like obviously it makes sense, you know, especially for these characters. But you know, there's a part of me that if I were her, I would have run away and hid under my bed and never come out. Like, and yet to go after somebody who did something you know, that was abusive, you know, to, like, like, can you tell me about your understand, like, the empathy that you have with that and how you understood that to to be? Yeah, well, I think it's a couple things. I think where Charlie was in her life at that time, you know, she wasn't in school. She was living in this, like, really, really bad apartment, this gross apartment on her own. There wasn't a whole lot going on for her, so it was kind of like, well, I might as well just do this because what else am I going to do? But um, I think the scene where I where Charlie kind of got an idea that 
Bob might not be as intimidating as he appears to be mm-hmm. is uh, in the grocery store where she kind of keeps throwing jabs at him and nothing's coming back. And I think you can, you know, see some sadness in Bob's eyes and that. And I think Charlie picks up on that and she's like, hmm, maybe you're not as bad as you seem. Yeah. Maybe yeah. you can help me. Yeah. Um, to I mean, we've had a few spoilers in here. It does not take away from the movie at all. But I will say to our listeners that another friend of the podcast, David Lewis, uh, can also be found in the grocery store. Uh, and as as anybody who knows David Lewis's work um, will not be surprised to hear, he delivers. He delivers. Um, thank you for that answer, Raylene. I, I, that actually does kind of blow my mind a little. Um, okay, so this is a question for all of you. I mean, you are all uh, artists. You're all like different parts. You, t- you all tell the same story, but you're all different parts of telling that story. Um, I want to hear about the how, for each of you, how the experience of, of bringing all joking aside to life uh, has changed you as artists, you know? And how you think we'll see see the the legacy of all joking aside in your future work who wants to go first this is a big question <laughs> i'll go first i think um i this probably wouldn't be visible to an outside eye or anyone who wasn't working specifically on this production but in my reflection looking at um the work i was doing on week one of this project and then the work i was doing on week three of this project i saw a massive difference Hmm. so i think i grew a lot as an actor within those three weeks and even looking back i'm kind of like oh like now there's a few things i would have done differently um so i think it was a huge learning experience for me and i think i came out um you know, and I got to watch Brian, who's been doing this forever, and see how to work really, really professionally. So, um, yeah, I think this really helped me level up in the work that I deliver. Fantastic answer. Um, and you also learn that you don't want to be a stand-up comic. Absolutely, yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, who's next? Who's next? Um, I think, well, I mean, my, my creative... Uh, Contributions were more, I think, in the the script stage and then in uh, in post production. Um, so I'd say my my greatest learning curve was just in putting it all together. I mean, I worked well, on I just, set for a long time. Can I interject though? Because I mm-hmm. think that being a producer is is I mean that's an artist in of itself. You know, you have the like that is part of the process. You have to have the 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 instinct you know to to see the story that you want to come to the screen so i mean as far as like i don't know like even this like how like even as a producer which is an artist that's what i was trying to say um how do you think all joking aside will change you as a producer moving forward uh, well, to be honest, this was I, I did this largely to open opportunities for myself to direct. Um, so that's where my my primary uh, interest is going forward. Um, so I think um, it gave me uh, a good sense of yeah, just all the different moving parts. Like I've done it on smaller scales. I've done a bunch of shorts. Um, but this was uh, a big kind of step up in, in scale, even though it was still a small film. It was a, a step up in scale over the things I had done previously. Um, so keeping a kind of a sense of how everything fits together, um, but also just reinforcing the importance of 
building the team and building a team that you can trust. And so, you know, being in the casting sessions and trying to figure out, you know, your best guess of what that dynamic is between that, the actors and how that's going to work out. Um, and Shen was a fantastic collaborator. I don't think we had like a single disagreement the entire time. And um, I felt I knew that because of her background, she was going to be able to roll with things as they came. And, you know, at the end of the day, when we have an hour left to shoot and three hours worth of material, that she was going to be able to figure out the the best way to, to get through that situation. Wow. Um, so I think, um, yeah, that to me was probably you know, something that I knew, but it definitely reinforced that um, being able to be hands off as well and that you have to be kind of controlling and set up the situation, but at a certain point uh, to trust that you've built a good team mm-hmm. and that you can trust these people and their professionals and they're bringing something to the table and to let them do what they are there to do. That's a great answer. All right, Shannon. There have been two really great answers here. Pressure's <laughs> on. So for me, it was, it was just such an amazing experience. I mean, from the beginning being, you know, asked by John to direct and the collaboration between myself, James, um, and sorry, John, uh, James and myself, um, you know, on the script and then with the cast and realizing they had so much to bring to the script and having that freedom, which, you know, I would not always get on a TV series Mm -hmm. to make those changes and to be very flexible and to, you know, roll with the punches. And, you know, it's a lot of being on set is problem solving. And so I find that whenever something's thrown at you, there's always a solution. It's just about finding the right one. And, I kind of revel a little bit in that, you know, adrenaline of being on set, but also that um, the challenges of finding solutions or, you know, moving something, you might lose location, you know, you might not have the truck right away, you know, just things that you're like, okay, what can we do instead? What can we change? And a lot of times you end up making things better. Mm. Um, You know, it has brought, you know, it was such a rewarding experience. And, you know, I think I've gone into directing episodic with a, bit of a different look as well and convincing showrunners and um, writers that actors have so much to bring to the table and found that they are very receptive to these script changes um, a lot of times if it makes sense for the story so that's been really really great because you know as soon as an actor makes it their own um, it just it's a lot more authentic yeah. And um, and then, yeah, going forward, I'm attached to direct a couple of features. Um, and then, you know, I'm booked kind of solid till February now. Everything health providing, you know, everything goes well. I'm knocking um, all the wood. Yeah. I, I mean, yes. if you're listening to this far in the future, in the after times, after COVID, we're in the we're still in the middle of it. We're still yeah. before we found the vaccine and everything got better and we actually solved all of society's problems. Like that's what, like ten months from now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, if if you can't laugh, you're just gonna cry. <laughs> that's fantastic news. Well, okay, so this film it, it is currently August 2020. It is currently on Super Channel. Um, so that's the best way for people to find it for now. Uh, and also download it. Uh, uh, it'll start on Super Channel on August 14th. Um, it'll also be available on alljokingasidemovie.com. 
uh, for download on the 14th as well. And uh, should be available on the iTunes and the Googles and the Amazons and those things uh, in November. Okay. Oh, November. Fantastic. Okay. Well, we'll we're going to release this in time for Super Channel and then we'll re-up it in November and remind everybody um, that they can download it from all their favorite places. Raylene Harewood, Shannon Coley, John Ornai, thanks for being here today. Thanks Uh, so much. Where can people find you, follow you, celebrate you on the social media? Um, I'm primarily active on Instagram, I'd say, and it's just my first name and last name, Raylene Harewood, and I'm also on Twitter. Okay. Shannon, are you on? Are you on the socials? I am, but I'm absolutely terrible with it. I don't post very often. I need to. A lot of times I sign these very scary non-disclosure agreements with with different productions. Yeah. So I'm always too scared to post anything, but I'm trying to do more. <laughs> okay. Well, well, we'll try to help you with that. And, and John, what about you? Uh, I'm not really a social media engager, but you can uh, check out my work at animalmotherfilms.com. Right. And uh, we'll have links to all of that in the footnotes. And I also believe, all joking aside, does have a Twitter. Yes. Uh, yeah, all the, all the social accounts are AJA the movie. Wonderful. All right. Well, thank you for being here. Thank you to our listeners for joining us today. You can find us on all the socials, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, not TikTok, not, I'm not, I'm not young enough for that, uh, at Yvera Screen Scene, the Yvera Screen Scene Posca, Blech. I'm gonna do that again because, you know, <laughs> it's, I'm having, I'm ex- thinking that I'm on a mic at Yuck Yucks and I'm like totally, just like totally flaming out. All right, the Yvera Screen Scene Podcast is hosted and executive produced by me. I'm the only one to blame, Sabrina Firminger. And it's produced and edited by Simon Firminger. Special thanks to Mariana Firminger for recording our Patreon ad and to Tyson Braddock and Paul Firminger for technical support. Yes, we are a family business. And to Dane Develay for the original music. Yvera Screen Scene is a division of Fish Flight Entertainment. Join us next time for another deep dive into Vancouver's dynamic film and television scene. And cut! There's a reason I've conducted dozens of interviews with Vancouver film and television stars at Neverland Tea Salon. Because it feels like home. Well, not my actual home but the home of my dreams. A place that's cozy and whimsical, where the music isn't too loud, the staff feels like old friends, and the menu is straight out of, well, Neverland. It's a home away from home for me. The team at Neverland Tea Salon has poured immense thought and love into every corner of their Kitsilano oasis. From the expansive selection of teas to the teacups suspended from the ceiling. They have a delicious and constantly changing menu of gluten-free, dairy-free, vegetarian and vegan options. Not to mention options packed with gluten and dairy too. And an adorable tea service for the little ones featuring fun treats like mini pizzas, bites of cookie dough and lots and lots of sprinkles. And for the grown-ups, there is a long, long list of tipsy teas for you to choose from. FYI, I usually order the gluten-free, dairy-free tea with Peter's Promise as my hot tea and a flute of bubbly. My favorite thing, and it's happened more than once, is after I've interviewed a local star at Neverland during the week. I pass by on the weekend and there that star is again, enjoying a high tea service in the window. 
Neverland is one of my favorite places on this planet. So if you live in the Lower Mainland or are planning a trip to Vancouver, well, as Peter Pan says, would you like to have your adventure now? Or would you like to have your tea first? Plan a tea adventure of your own at NeverlandTeaSalon.com. That's NeverlandTeaSalon.com.